That's pretty awesome. So, so they're, they're going to have autograph ceremony after service is over. You can get a selfie with them because they're like pretty cool. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to take an opportunity and I want you to give a high five to 17 people. All right. But as soon as you do that, when you're finished and you look up on the stage, I'm not going to be standing here because I'm really honored to share the stage today with one of our very own. I am so proud of our team. I'm so proud of our staff. You were led by some incredible people who love Jesus and who love you and are working so hard to help pastor this city. Pastor Jonathan not only leads our worship ministry, but he also leads our student ministry, and he's doing a great job of impacting people with the gospel. I ask him to speak to us today. So before you give 17 people a high five, I want you to give him a big hand as he comes today. Would you do that? And now give seven people a big high five and say, you matter to God, you matter to me. Would you do that? Awesome, awesome. It does take quite a bit to get through 17 people, huh? Awesome, awesome. I'm so grateful to be able to share this platform and that for some reason Pastor Anthony trusts me enough for me to come back here. So I am very thankful to share with you what I feel like the Lord's put in my heart. Um, this month we've been in a series called Relentless. And through uh, the, the weeks, we've spoken about different things about living a relentless life, right? So in week one, we Pastor Anthony was talking about there's a lot to be concerned about, but even more reasons to have hope. So he was really focusing on, on the essence of hope in our lives, right? The second week, he spoke, the pain of discipline is nothing compared to the pain of regret. Talking about how, you know, sometimes we don't want to step out as followers of Christ, but yet, that regret of not doing so can be an even greater pain. In week three, last week, he said, we need to be relentless in our prayer life. We need to get down on our faces and really seek the Lord out. And I just wanted to conclude this series out by giving us a reminder, whether we're veteran Christians or we're new in our faith, because all those things are great practical ways to, to really step up our faith, right? But I want us to really focus on, as we, as we go into all these practical ways that we can further our faith, we have to remember who we are. So I just want to give us a reminder of our identity so we can live out these things that he's told us. Okay? Now, to give a little bit of an illustration, both for humor and for an actual symbolic purpose, um, I have some pictures that I have not, hey, don't put up yet, Tyler, I have not seen in quite a while, and literally this just kind of hit me the, the other night. Thankfully, also I want to honor my family. My family's here. Can we give it up for them as well? All the way from Kenton, North Carolina. Thankful they could be here. My mom's going to enjoy this. She did not know this was going to be happening. But um, what I'm going to show you is going to be symbolic of what I'm speaking about in identity, okay? So we're going to take a blast from the past, and we're going to look at sixth grade Jonathan. Tyler, go ahead and throw that up if you got that, buddy. Okay, that little, that little uh, dorky kid on the end with the bowl cut looks like Bruce Lee. That's me. <laughs> Uh, I was really trying. I guess he was my hero back then, and, and I didn't have any style. Uh, so, yeah, um, that was me in Science Olympiad, and back then I didn't have much fashion sense. I don't have much today. I'm very thankful for the people I work with because they very much helped me in that area. Um, but, I, yeah, I was a very different person back then. I have several of these just to, to, to humor you. So let's go to the next one, Tyler. Um, yeah, so that was me in gym, and I probably walked like 
you know, probably 10 feet and did like five push-ups and I'm sweaty. Just was not in shape at all. Uh, the next one I think is pretty good. Uh, oh, no, this one was at, uh, at an event. I don't know how I ended up underneath whatever that is. Somehow I'm under there. I think the next one was the one I was thinking about. So for Spirit Week, I'm the guy in the middle. <laughs> for Spirit Week, I went to Frank, uh, E.B. Frank Middle School in LaGrange, and our colors were green, blue, and white. And for some reason, I thought that I'd have a better chance at winning if I applied more of that color to my person. And so literally, for, I don't think there's a part of me that's like not in some type of color. From my shoes, too, I had to throw away the shoes because I spray painted them. And like, I ended up winning, but I mean, look what happened to me. Look at that guy. <laughs> like, at what cost, you know? Um, uh, it's just funny looking back at, back at these pictures and seeing what I look like. And then finally, there's some hope. I think I had a pretty decent uh, school picture. So there was some hope for me eventually, right? So, uh, so yeah, that was kind of sixth grade me. I share that with you for a reason. First, because it's humorous to look back at little, little me. But also, this was a, a crucial year in my life as a believer because I didn't grow up in church. I didn't learn all these, these Bible stories and all these songs that, that some people who grew up in the church sing about. I didn't start attending church until I was in sixth grade. And for me, that was such a crucial time because I didn't see my identity as I do today. And that's what I want to talk about is, is the identity that I had was much different then than it is today, right? So back then, I had an awesome youth pastor at the time, and I thought whenever I accepted this lifestyle of following the Lord, Jesus is, is closer than a brother, uh, you have a father above who cares about you unconditionally, I was thinking about these things, and I was like, yeah, that's the life I want to live. But in my head, as I attended church, what I saw and what I experienced was dodgeball, kickball, uh, wall ball. I would, I would play for worship. I'd had a, I had a, a very basic electric guitar. And for some of you who don't know, like if you don't have electric guitar with an amp, it's basically inaudible. But I would play in a room full of students who were singing. So basically, I was playing the singing. No one else could hear it. We were just basically singing a cappella, but I didn't think that. I didn't, I didn't realize that, right? And, and so I'd, I would do that, and I would play, and I'd listen to sermons. In my head, I was thinking, okay, the life of, a, life of a Christian is pretty easy. I check off these boxes, I come have some fun, I listen to some sermons, and I'm good to go for the rest of the week. And for some reason, and I think for a lot of us, we have this delineation between our secular life and our Christian life. We, we, see, we see our Monday through Saturday in the scope of over here, our work or our vacation or struggles we have with our family, and then there's like, oh, okay, let me come and worship with my church family. Man, it's going to be on today. I'm thankful to be able to worship in the house of the Lord and be encouraged by people. But the problem is, there is no delineation here. That's something that we do in our mind. All of this is one thing. When we realize that we are the church as we go out into our community and into our workplaces and into our schools, we see that there's so much more than what happens in the four walls of this building. So, I want to break this down into three sections. Say, what? what? Yeah, let's try it again. Let's do it again. Say, what? what? All right, say, so what? So what? Now say, now what? Now. So, we're talking about identity. First, we'll break it down. What? What does this all mean? How is this going to help me or benefit me or help me live out these things we've been talking about? If you have your Bible, we're going to turn in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. Whether you have the physical thing or the digital version, it's all good. We'll have it up on the screen as well. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 5 says this. You are coming to Christ 
who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Now, what's interesting about this text is it talks about how we are the living stones, right? In the beginning, I want to, I want to make it very evident that it says, first and foremost, you are coming to Christ, Jesus, who is the living cornerstone of God. And, that, and, and they use that metaphor because the cornerstone was very pivotal in, in the foundation of a building. You had to have that piece. So it's like Jesus is the integral part, but I want you to know, church, that, that you are the living stones that's going to build up the rest of that wall. He's the foundation, right? And we are the living stones to be built up, spiritually speaking. We no longer have to, have to worship in a physical temple anymore, right? There's, there's not a place that we just go into and there's the Holy of Holies. We carry Jesus. We carry the Holy Spirit. God is with us everywhere we go, even when we leave this place. But then it says that, that what's more, you are holy priests. And for some of you who go through Old Testament, know that there was all these specifications about what the priests had to do as their role, the temple, like all the things that had to be built in a specific way, all the things that had to be set up within that, that common court area, and then how the, the, the most holy room was set up. Like there was all these specifications that was just a shadow of the great high priest that was to come. So when it says that you are holy priests, you're like, well, Pastor Jonathan, I don't have to do that stuff anymore. I don't have to set up a temple, da-da-da. They had these physical sacrifices, things that they had to do, but now we have spiritual sacrifices that please God, as it says at the end of that scripture. So what does that look like? So for us as individual followers of Jesus and as a church, we are meant to do two things as priests. So if you follow the Lord and you, and you are called as a priest today, we're meant to do two things, minister to the Lord and minister to others. And I heard, this, I heard this from another pastor, and it, it convicted me. So if it convicts you and you get mad at me, get mad at him, okay? I'll find it, and, and you can get mad at him. Don't throw stones at me. But I, read, I heard him say this, and it was just like, mm, I've been in that seat before. I've been that person before. He said, church is not a place where you come in and you critique and you eat. Mm, mm, what, was that good today? Was, was that as good as last, was last week? I don't know. I feel like I wasn't getting enough. That, wasn't, that didn't savor, that, that didn't please my appetite. I think I'm going to have to come for next week to see if I can really get something out of it. No, you're here for the Lord, not for you. And so when we come into this place, we were never meant to come in and just see what we can get and see what we can consume, right? This is kind of like a hospital. We are meant to be here for lost people. And we want to bring them into the, the house of the Lord and bring them into the church. But as the church, the people who've already found Christ, it's, not, it's no longer our job to just consume and just get what we can from the sermon, from the worship, and just expect the Lord to just, just embrace and change our life within an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. That's not, that wasn't the purpose of the church. It says that you are holy priests and you're the living stones. And if you're living stones, that means you have way more significance than you even imagine. And as we talk about identity, for some of you, you think that, that okay, I come to church. I see they have a worship team. I see they have a tech team. They have guest services and all this stuff. And, and that's good because I don't have any of those gifts. And that's okay. That's fine if you don't have those gifts, but God created you with a gift and with a purpose that you're supposed to live out. And without you, without that pivotal piece, without another living stone to build up this thing, 
we're going to have a missing piece, just like a missing, missing piece of a puzzle. Um, we, we, we do communion, and I'm very thankful for the Hodges that now bring these gluten-free kind of homemade bread that we eat instead of like the cardboard wafers, you know? Amen? Amen that we don't eat cardboard and we eat like real food? Okay, just me? Okay. Um, so before that, it was just wafers, just kind of, you know, a, a, a typical um, um, a wafer that you would take during communion, and then they came and said, hey, we have this gift. We want, to, we, want to, we want to share our gift and build the ministry in this way. Who could have thought that communion bread would have been an act of ministry? Like, and, and it just it, it expanded that area of ministry. And who's to say that what you can bring to the table is going to do something that we're not doing yet to reach our community? Yes, worship's important. Yes, tech and greeting and kids' ministry, all that's important. But what other areas are we not reaching? What other gifts and opportunities do you have to offer so we can reach a community? Not so we can be better on Sunday morning. I feel like there's more pressure for us to be the church Monday through Saturday than it is on Sunday morning, right? And if we aren't giving of our gifts, if we aren't giving of our time, of our talent, of our treasure, then we'll never see the kingdom completely fulfilled within our lives. You think about it, we, ha we, have, the, we have the ability to think about um, vision and to think about ministry in the church all week. We, we do that and communicate with people. Some of you guys, your job is to just make sure you don't kill your boss or that you don't like run off someone off the road because you're, you have to go on 540 and I'm thankful I don't have to, but that's how you have to go to work and you have to leave like an hour and a half early because traffic's crazy, right? Some of you have to do that. That is your daily life. And so it's going to be much different for you, but how are you going to influence the people around you? How are you going to influence the people? God's like, hey, I know that you're a believer, but you can't just consume and consume on Sunday morning and not share with these people around you who are hurting, who are broken. Hurt people hurt people. So if you're dealing with somebody and you just want to wrangle the, wring their the neck, like th there's probably a reason, right? Th there's probably something they're dealing with, and you could be the answer to that. So you don't have to think of murdering them. Amen. Amen. So... We said what, so now we're going to talk about so what, the why, okay? When we turn from the truth of our identity in Christ and rebel, we forsake the fulfilled life God has called for us to live. Now, we'll bring up Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, and we can see very much what happens whenever we rebel, whenever the, the people of God rebel against what He has planned for them. And it says this, and who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard His voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when He took an oath that they would never enter His rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed Him? So regardless if you're a veteran Christian or you're renewing your faith, you probably know about Moses. You know about how he took God's people and fled out of Egypt, right? That's probably one of the most common things you kind of learn as you get into this Christian thing. He parted the Red Sea and they escaped. But then what happened? There are some of them who are like, uh, I don't know about this, this, this new thing we're doing. I don't know about this pursuing a, a new life for us. We kinda, we want, we'd rather go back to that old life. We know what that's like. Even though they were suffering for years and years, they wanted to go back to what was comfortable because they were scared about what was in front of them. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. We can do the same thing. We can take what's comfortable and just stay there and not want to move forward. 
Um, one, one instance in my life, I was in a serious relationship, like sophomore, junior, and part of senior year. And um, as I said, I really got plugged into the church about sixth grade. So from there on, I was learning how to play guitar. I started leading worship when I was about in ninth grade. And I really just like invested into this thing called ministry. But then what happened? I'm a young guy, and I see this pretty girl. And we start dating, and where does my focus go to? Not here. It goes more here, right? So I'm focusing on this worldly thing instead of on the Lord above who has brought me through all of these many trials and struggles. And so what happened was I went back to that, that sixth grade Jonathan, the, the geeky kid, who learned that to be a Christian, it was just checking off a box. I just need to show up. I just need to do this and do this. So I reverted back to that mindset. I was like, oh, well, I have this girlfriend, so I just, I just need to show up. I just need to lead worship. I need to speak to some people or whatever. But then afterwards, like, we, we, need, we can hang out, right? There, there, was no, there was not as much time for the Lord as there was before, and it was because I filled it with something else in my life that I thought mattered, with someone that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And what happened? Nothing. It didn't happen. I'm no longer with that person, so I gave up my time. I gave up an opportunity of probably my talents and a lot of my treasure into that relationship financially. And I will never get that back. <laughs> Amen. Okay, some of you caught it. I will never get that back. And so I don't say that that was just a mistake or that, like, I, don't, I wouldn't want to go back and change it because it made me who I am today. But from that, I'm able to see, man... Things do not go well when I prioritize what I think I need in my life. And for some of you, you know, we look back to, to, to this scripture and it talks about the people of Moses. And, and for you, you can kind of look back, you know, you, you can kind of cast some judgment on them and think, man, they've been oppressed for like 400 years. They finally get out of this place. They see the miracle of the sea splitting open, get on the other side, are provided food from the sky and want to go back. How could you do that? How could you do that? And at the same time, we're not seeing that same thing taking place in our own lives. We're not seeing how God has delivered us from this thing, but because it was comfortable, we're like, oh, no, 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 no. let's go back to that. Hold on. I'm not, I'm not ready for this new future you got. Leadership capacity, God, that's not me. I can't speak to people. Yeah, I, I enjoy music, but I don't want to get into that thing. Other people can do that. I might have the gift, but I don't want to get on stage. Like, I'm, I'm too scared. I don't want to... I, I have, I have a, a, a fondness of technology, but there's already people who do that. And you kind of psych yourself out and speak yourself out of an opportunity to use your gift. So we look back in Scripture and say, man, they had it made. What were they thinking? None of them, not even Moses, made it into the promised land. And we look at it like... And just judge it right off the bat. I would have made it through there. We wouldn't have had to spend 40 years. I would have been appreciative. I don't think so. We're hardly appreciative for what we have today. All right? So I, I, I think that it probably would have been about the same story no matter what people group was there. So when we talk about the why, whether it's big or small, what in your life do you feel like you're rebelling against God? What in your life do you feel like this thing is separating from God and you don't want to give it up? You want to hold on tightly to it. You want to say, God, I pray you to, if this is the thing you're struggling with, you're like, Lord, bless this area. Lord, bless my family. God, bless my business. Lord, I pray that, pray that you bless me in this area. God, I pray that I can become a, a better, a better uh, person that, that devotes time to you and that's in the word. God, don't touch this though. I'm working on it. I'm working on this thing, and I think, I think I can get it together. 
No, I don't have anybody who's, who's alongside me and supporting me and helping me get through this, but I, I think I got it, Lord. Just, if you can bless this area, I, I'll fix this. And what happens? This doesn't ever get fixed because we try to do it on our own power. We try to do it in our own energy and our own strength. And so what happens is we limit what God can do in our life because we don't want Him to touch this thing. And I'm telling you today that if you want to rebel against God and you want to say, God bless all of these areas, but don't touch this, I got it, He'll never be able to bless you. Until you embrace the true identity of, of where God has you going as a follower of Jesus, as a living stone of His spiritual temple, you have way more authority and power. You have way more of a purpose and a responsibility to just come in on a Sunday morning and get a little bit of a sermon to take a little bit of a sample of worship. Mm, was that good today? Mm, maybe next week. It's not about you. And I'm speaking to myself like I have to come in here as a leader and make sure it's not about me. When I worship, I can't think that what I'm doing, it's not about me. I fight that every week. I have to make sure I get myself out of the way. That's my life. Where in your life do you have to do the same thing? Do you have to get out of your own way because you don't realize that you could be more of an impact if you just let God do His thing? So lastly, we talk about, okay, what? We are a holy priest. We're living stones of the spiritual temple. Okay, why does that matter? Okay, I don't want to rebel against God. I don't want to die in the wilderness. Okay, so those things are important, but what now? What do I do now? Now what? Perception is reality. And I think for some of us, we can be so blind to what's going on around us that it truly takes someone on the outside to tell us that. I know for the longest time, for example, when I first got hired on at North Park, I remember going into those staff meetings, being a volunteer forever, never being a, a full-time, uh, being in full-time ministry ever before. I remember going into these meetings and just thinking, man, I'm surrounded by these legends. Like, what do I have to offer? They're spitting out ideas and talking about things, and I'm like, yeah, that's good, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's a great idea. And I'm just sitting there soaking it all in as if I have nothing to contribute. Perception was reality because that's what I thought. I wouldn't ever say anything, and you can ask all of it. I would just be, I'd be, just be super quiet like I wasn't even in the room. But what was happening was I perceived my identity as someone who couldn't contribute in that area, as somebody who didn't have something to give into what we were doing. But it was so wrong. And now I speak up. What's changed? Not them. They don't treat me any differently. They didn't treat me any differently in the beginning. They didn't make me feel uncomfortable to speak. What changed was my perception. My perception of, of how God can use me and the perception of myself. And I think this, why this has really hit me so hard was also uh, what the Lord pressed on my heart um, to share uh, a video via Facebook. I, I really hate being in front of the camera. I'm usually behind it doing a lot of videography stuff. But the Lord was like, hey, you need to share some things. And so I did. I hate seeing myself. I hate hearing my voice. But I hope it encouraged at least one person. But the point of it was... There was also a change there, because where before I would have never done anything like that, even if the Lord was like, hey, I got a word for you, share it with people. You have this platform where there's literally millions of people on this thing, and, and, and you can share it with your family and friends. Like, do it. And before I'm like, oh, no, 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 God, someone else can do that. I'm not, no, I, I don't have the word to say. I'm not very articulate. There's someone else who's going to say whatever you have in my heart a lot better, so let them do it. And what, what changed? My perception. And I think for you, that has got to happen for you to be effective for the Lord. 
The last bit of text we'll read is from Psalm chapter 139, verse 13 through 14 and 17 through 18. And it says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. How awesome is that? There may be some of you in here who think, man, I, there may be a time in your life where you thought, man, I wish I was never born. Or maybe you wish you were born differently. Man, that person has so much more influence than I do. That gift's awesome. I wish I could have that person's gift. It's a sad lie from the enemy because it's his way of, of using you against yourself. And the reason why I wanted to end with this, with this series, is because there's so much practical advice and so many things that we can apply as Christians and as followers of Jesus, new or old. But we won't be able to do that until we find the perception of who we are is going to be way more effective than we could ever imagine. If you think, if you believe you can't do something, you will not do that thing. Period. It's not that you don't have the ability, it's that, that you don't believe it. And for the longest time, even when I was leading worship in, in high school at the warehouse, um, there's times where like, if I didn't get feedback from somebody about like, overall it like went well or whatever, I felt like I was a failure. And even then, looking back, their words fell short because I didn't need their words of confirmation. I needed what God had already said about me. I needed to realize what He had already done before I was even thought of. When I was in my mother's womb, when I was being knit together, the Lord already had a purpose and a plan for me. And it didn't look like this person, it didn't look like this person, it didn't look like this person, it didn't look like this person. Comparison is going to be the killer of your identity every single time. And in closing, I just, I just want to say this, because for some of you, you're like, well, Pastor Jonathan, I'm just, I'm struggling. I know you say that, that we have this responsibility and this duty as living stones of the spiritual temple, but I have a lot going on at home. I have a lot of struggles. I can't commit all this time that you're telling me to. That's a lie. I'm not downplaying your life at all. Are we struggling? Of course we are. But here's the thing, here's the lie that we like to give into. We think that because we struggle, it means we don't love God or that we're not saved. And the enemy wants you to think that. But here's the truth. If you weren't struggling, you weren't truly thinking about God. Think about it. Before you became a Christian, you had it all together. You were your own God. Whether it be through alcohol, whether it be through drugs, whether it be through porn addiction, whether it be through unhealthy relationships, whether it be through artificial friendships, whether it be through uh, unhealthy financial practices and just blowing money everywhere, you thought you had the need to provide for yourself. At one time, before you found Christ, you didn't struggle. You had it all figured out. But then you found out that what you were doing wasn't enough and you wanted a change. For some of you, you desire a change, but it's not going to happen until you realize that remaining the same 
hurts until you get to a point where remaining the same is truly painful to continue until you say I don't want to be that person anymore I don't want to be a toxic person who whenever I get around people they don't want to be around me because I know nothing but how to speak hate and just how to speak all these words of hurt because I'm hurting I don't want to be that person anymore and so for some of you think well there's a struggle but honestly if, the, if you weren't struggling you wouldn't be fighting and if you weren't fighting, there wouldn't be a battle. If there wasn't a battle, there wouldn't be spiritual warfare. And let me tell you, spiritual warfare is real. Very real. So if you're struggling, you're on the right side of history. Because every single person in that Bible, in the Word of God, struggled in some way. They didn't have it figured out. They were not perfect. But they found the calling that God had on their lives. And what did they do? They impacted the Lord through their struggles. Abraham wasn't perfect. Noah was not perfect. David was not perfect. All these heroes we see in the Bible that we look up to, that we glean wisdom and inspiration from, we're not perfect. So why are you going to consider yourself, why, why are you going to cut yourself short when no one in Scripture was able to live up to that perfection except for Jesus Christ? If He's the cornerstone and we're the living stones being built for the spiritual temple, I think we're in good hands. And it's not about what you can do. It's about what the Lord's doing through you. So lastly, I just want to ask, which voice do you choose to let your identity, to determine your identity? The enemy or the Lord's? Which voice do you choose to let determine your identity? The enemy or the Lord? The decision's up to you. All these things that we talked about for the past couple weeks, all these things that we're going to talk about in the next couple weeks, for years to come as we listen to sermons, as we listen to things to apply to our life, are we going to be in the right mindset and perception of who we are in Christ to even do it? You can set up spiritual disciplines. You can set up goals for fitness, want to eat, next exercise better. But if you don't first think that you can even do it, then it's not going to happen. So as we move forward in this next season as a church, I just want to encourage you. You are here for a reason, and it's much more than a Sunday morning. There's something that needs to happen that only you can contribute with your gift Monday through Saturday. And we need to find that opportunity, and we need to plug you into whatever that is and let you thrive in that area because it's not just meant to thrive in what's happening now. What, the way God brought us to where we are right now is not going to be how He continues to move us forward. And that means we need you to step up in your gift. It doesn't have to be music. It doesn't have to be tech. It doesn't have to be greeting or kids. But whatever that is, that's your responsibility. And that's between you and the Lord whether or not you use that gift or not. Would you stand with me? It's just really pressed on my heart for some reason to, to challenge your identity and your mindset and perspective on who you think you are because truly, truly, if we're not in the right mindset to serve the Lord, everything else is going to fall apart. And it really hurts me that there are people who are struggling, that there are people who are dealing with things and they think that they're not an effective they're not an effective part of the kingdom of God or that God doesn't love them or they're not saved because of what they're dealing with. And that, that breaks my heart. I know there's a lot of struggles happening, but know you're in good company because you are struggling. And that you don't struggle alone because every single person here also struggles. 
I love this church family and I really want to see it move to the next level. And that's going to take all of us. Not the people you see on stage or the people you see backstage. Not just what we do on Sunday morning. It's going to take all of us to impact this community. There's 140,000 students alone in Wake County. And we're only reaching like 2% as the church in Wake County. How many more people do we have to reach? Let's do this, church. Amen? Let's reach our community. Let's believe in ourselves and let's think that what God has put on our heart and the gift that He's given us and the ability that we have to contribute into this spiritual temple, we have the authority and power to do. But until you change that mindset, until you think, I don't want to remain the same anymore, I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be uh, a hurtful person to anyone else. I don't want to, to be lazy. I don't want to be undisciplined in my eating habits. Until you find that that is too painful to deal with anymore, nothing's going to happen. So I challenge you today, when you walk out of this door, you don't think you're leaving church. You are the church. Before you came into this building and when you leave this building, Monday through Saturday, you'll be at church because you are the church. God needs to use you in your capacity, and you need to let Him do it. Some of you think you're waiting on God, but maybe God's waiting on you. Let's focus on that this week as we impact our community. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this place, Lord. I thank you so much for this church family, God. I thank you so much for... As